Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Leading Edge Love Radio. This is your host, Sumati Sparks, the Open Relationship Coach. Have you ever wondered how well-suited you are for ethical non-monogamy? Well, you can find out by taking my quiz, and you'll find the quiz right on the homepage of my website, which is sumatisparks.com. That's S as in Sam, U, M as in Mary, A, T as in Tom, I, Sparks, as in Sparks Are Flying, dot com. And when you enter your email, you'll be added to my mailing list as well, and you'll be the first to learn about both my online events as well as my live events in the San Francisco Bay Area. So tonight, I'm really excited to have as my guest a new friend who I'm just adoring. Her name is Emily Oram, and Emily is a pioneer of evolutionary relating. She's a love, intimacy, and personal empowerment coach and a teacher in the Love Coach Academy. Welcome to the show, Emily. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. So glad to have you. So my first question is, what is evolutionary relating? I know that's probably a big topic, but people may not have heard that phrase before. So what's the cliff notes on evolutionary relating? You know, the way that I kind of tune into that word is basically relationships that have a high desire for growth and awakening and that kind of are outside the box of conventional monogamy or conventional style of relating. Um, But in general, they're very focused in a desire and a quest for, for spiritual growth, for awakening, for becoming conscious. Um, And, of course, that can be done within monogamy. However, I tend to attract and work with people that are really wanting to, you know, build and explore different various forms of relating. So I kind of clump that under the word of evolutionary relating. Mm -hmm. So can people – I know know this, but I know that non-monogamous people often – get called out for acting like we're more evolved because we're not monogamous. So can monogamous Mm -hmm. people practice evolutionary relating at the same level as non-monogamous people? Absolutely. And, you know, I think, again, it's a desire. You know, when we did our interview recently, we talked a lot about how if people that are monogamous can learn a lot from the skill sets of people that are open or poly or um, which is again this this real this real desire to be fully transparent, to live um, a life that's very disclosed, that's honest, that has impeccable communication. Um, so learning all of these tools to become you know really conscious and in, embodied within relationship can absolutely fit into any kind of context of relating. Um, so you can be definitely monogamous and into evolutionary relating. Um, it just happens to be that those the skill sets um, tend to be more maybe used or apparent in people that have different conventions of, of openness, but mm-hmm. um, you know, but they can be definitely embodied by people that are practicing monogamy. Mm-hmm. Excellent. So you're saying that the principles of evolutionary relating. Um, as if you have something kind of already mapped out. Are there some bullet points that you can go over? Um, well, just a real desire to, um, to 
end the paradigm of, I would say, just codependency, you know, hiding Mm -hmm. um, kind of like a wound mate sort of uh, patterns of relationships that sabotage and, um, you know, fighting and uh, resentment and, and just a lot of the toxicity that happens when we don't have the tools to become conscious um, within communication, within relating, within identifying, you know, patterns that might be life negating. Um, so evolutionary relating is like, how do we, how do we use all of that to, to bring about consciousness, to awaken, to bring the dark into the light? Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's, that's kind of like, it's, it's very stimulated by growth, awakening, and, and, and becoming more embodied through, um, through, what doesn't work to, to be, you know, to have more harmonious, integrous relating. Mm-hmm. Right. Now I noticed that you call yourself a love intimacy and, and personal empowerment coach. So I'm guessing that in your way of teaching personal empowerment is a really important part of having healthy evolutionary relationships. So how does the personal empowerment come into that? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would say most people come to me for that aspect of really becoming um, self-aware, self-realized, a real desire to figure out who they are um, underneath their shoulds or underneath their programming or underneath what's been imposed on them to really do the work to um, upwell that and then be able to kind of go from this place of innocence or a baby, you know, of like, wow, who am I? And how do I want to relate? And how do I learn how to figure that out and then bring that out into the world? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you also talked about um, embodying your, um, your healing process. And I saw on your website this phrase, embodied self-sourcing. So can you talk about mm. what that phrase means? Yeah. So self-sourcing is being able to generate your own needs from within. So um, like the the core needs that I talk about that to learn to become self-sourced are to learn to source safety, love, and also your own divine connection within yourself. Um, And those are typically the things that when we don't learn how to source that within, we usually will look to an external resource, whether it be a person or some kind of thing or, you know, um, to void fill. And so that usually causes, you know, uh, sabotaging behaviors within relationships. So I'm really, I teach people tools on how to learn how to source those needs within, how to love themselves, how to honor themselves, how to find safety, you know, within themselves, how to soothe themselves. Um, how to connect to their own divine resource, whatever that means to them, like develop a relationship Mm -hmm. with their own divine connection Um, Mm -hmm. and how to also get in in touch with their, their divine purpose, which is very connected, Mm -hmm. I think, to being connected to um, this larger context of our source connection. And Mm -hmm. then how to like, again, be able to source our own sense of self-worth and worthiness and love inside of ourselves. Beautiful. I might ask you in a little bit to give us an example of how we can source our own divine connection, but um, we'll come back to that later. Just maybe take people on a little journey or something. (laughs) Um, Yeah. But first, 
yeah, just to give people an, an experience. So just put that in the back of your mind. <laughs> um, so, but I wanted to ask you about your own experience in relationships so we can get to know you a little bit. Um, what has been your experience of outside the box relating? <laughs> ah, well, oh, sorry, just dropped you there. Can you hear me okay? Yes. Um, so I've sort of been, you know, I grew up in a very um, not normal lifestyle. You know, um, my mom's always been sort of alternative and definitely a hippie at heart. Um, you know, she, I wouldn't say that she, she'd be open to kind of, and did little forms of various of open relating. Um, I think she probably would have done it more if she had more tools because my mom's just super openly loving and just an openly loving person in general. But she also had a lot of, um, a lot of addiction issues and a lot of challenge and, um, and got involved with men that were, you know, abusive and hurtful. And so, um, but she always was an unconditionally loving, open style person and still is. So I think I get a lot of qualities from my mom. Um, so I, I pretty much knew that I was open since um, I was 23 or 24. Like I just, it, it was just, I knew that I just loved like in a different way, you know, I, it wasn't, I didn't fit in the box basically. Um, but I didn't really know that it, this existed. So I kind of went under the radar of just trying to figure out it out myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I got married, when I got married, it, I was kind of, you know, doing things like deceptively and, you know, I had partners, but I would still like play with other people on the side and lie about it. And, um, mm-hmm. It was just so natural to me, and I just, it, it, I just didn't know that you could do it, you know, consensually and with a lot of honesty. I didn't have the tools, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I met my husband at 25, um, I did, I was actually, for the first time, I was, just, I was honest, and I said, you know, I, I like to relate with people, you know, outside uh, a, a relationship if we got in one um, here's what I would feel comfortable with. And at the time I was kind of exploring something, you know, polysensual where I was, you know, did nurturing and sensual touch with others. Um, but there wasn't, you know, penetration or oral. Um, and by the way, I had also uh, been doing sensual massage from 19 until 26. So I, that was mm-hmm. like a way that I also uh, made my money as a kind of a dakini. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So he was okay with it, but not really, you know what I mean? He was okay with it because he loved me, but he didn't really want to do the work around it. And I don't know how open he actually is. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, so I, you know, we managed it as best as possible. And then after that relationship, I got into a relationship for five years um, with uh, my partner, Scott, and we, Mm -hmm. I really wanted to explore even more openness so we kind of had a more monogamous style relationship. Um, but it was also really hard because it wasn't really in his constitution. It wasn't really what he wanted. Um, mm-hmm. So I basically, I am for the first time finally figuring out how open I am because I'm just out of relationship now out of 11 years straight. So mm. now I'm figuring now I'm figuring out, like, how do I want to relate now that I'm not having to 
think about a partner or compromise myself or try to fit into a box of what's more normal. Um, Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I'm just starting to accept on a deeper way, deeper level, just how open I am. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I'm kind of really figuring out, like, what my constitution at this time in my life really is. And I would say that I am a person that is naturally wired poly. Um, mm-hmm. It's just, it's just natural for me. I'm compulsive. Mm-hmm. I love to hear about my lover's playmates. I love it turns me on. I love being inclusive. Um, I like being kind of integrated with my different lovers. Lovers, if if, if that's there. Um, I don't run jealousy like most people. Um, if anything, I run maybe insecurity if I feel like my needs aren't being met. But then I'm open mm-hmm. about that. Um, mm-hmm. which just all, all points to that just like I'm naturally wired for poly. Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, thank you for sharing that about yourself and thank you for your transparency. Yeah. Um, yeah I was kind of, so yeah, I'd be like, okay, go ahead. Margaret. This, it was kind of cool just to go, okay, this is sort of my path thus far. Yeah. So it sounds like you, um, you know, you still, really cared about each other in your last relationship, but you just came to the realization that you were more oriented toward non-monogamy and he wasn't. Yeah, exactly. And it was hard, Mm -hmm. you know, because we had such love for each other and our work was really, you know, so much of our relationship was tied together. Our work, um, Mm -hmm. uh, we did this work with others, our service. Um, we're passionate, very much, you know, in, in love with each other and have lots of love. And this is just a fundamental difference that was just unable to find, you know, congruency. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to mention for people that are, you know, newly exploring open relationship that um, for some people being non-monogamous is, is an orientation, um, kind of like being gay or you can't really change. I mean, you can choose to be in a monogamous relationship, but you're not going to feel fully expressed in your life. It's kind of giving up. You can kind of take it or leave it depending on the relationship they're in. Um, they can be open or not. So it's an interesting thing. It's not really like being gay because gay people can't decide to go back to not being gay for a while depending on the relationship. Um, so there's elements that are like being gay. But I know that it's freeing when, when people learn that for some people it's just an orientation and they just don't feel fulfilled for in the long run if they can't express themselves fully. Um, so I just wanted to say that for people that may not have heard that before. Yeah, and, um, that's, and I, that's yeah. beautiful. I just I love that because um, it's really been a huge thing for me um, to be able to just accept, like, because I have been trying to fit myself into a mold and, you know, I felt very different and wrong and bad for not being able to fit into the mold. And then Mm -hmm. I would, because I didn't accept myself, then I would find other people that would make me wrong. And Mm -hmm. I would just say, I would say now just actually within, this is really vulnerable, but it's only within the last like month or two months that I'm really like in this place of, this is who I am and I can't keep hiding it, you know, and Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. not, it's not something that I, like a lot of people have said, well, just like keep it, you know, to yourself and just, you know, 
just you don't have to share it or you know and I've been wrestling with that like is this something I can just kind of keep to myself and it's just not it's like it's almost mm-hmm. like it's like almost saying that I'm bad or wrong if I if I can't mm-hmm. be openly open about who I am right yeah I just had some uh, potential client contact me who the only support they were doing fine in their open relationship, but they just needed support with how to tell their other loved ones in their life, what they're already doing, (laughs) you know, like that was the hard part for them. Um, They felt like they were hiding that part of their life from their other loved ones. Yeah. It's so huge. I mean, you know, openness, like it's a struggle because, um, there's a desire to be for acceptance and a desire for, you know, just to be who we are. And we're also living in a culture where there still is a lot of judgment, where there still is a lot of make wrong. And I think that holds a, a lot of us back from feeling safe and, you know, to, to be exposed, you know, fear of rejection, fear of being made wrong um, keeps us from being able to fully be able to trust ourselves to open and share. Exactly. And another thing you said about that you're naturally very compersive. So in case people don't know what that word is, the word that polyamorous people invented to mean that you get pleasure from your partner's pleasure. And I just want to make a distinction that being oriented toward non-monogamy is a separate thing from how compersive versus how jealous you are. Um, I, for example, am oriented toward non-monogamy. That's my orientation. And I've had a history of being extremely jealous. So the two, those two things can coexist. <laughs> and I've had to learn to manage my jealousy and transform it, transform that energy into love and acceptance and work through my insecurities and my feeling not enoughness. And I still, I'm still, it's an ongoing issue, but I learned to witness the feeling and I want to talk to you, Emily, about that process because I know, I know you must do a lot of that work with people where you develop that witnessing mind or that awareness so that you catch yourself when you start to have those negative feelings that make you want to act out, make you want to say something you might regret later or take some kind of action that's going to harm people or yourself. Instead, to just sit with the feeling and notice it and love yourself through it. So tell me about how you help people when they're triggered. Beautiful. Well, that's exactly what it is, is being able to, I do a lot of work. I call it parts therapy or parts work. Um, so I help people to actually talk to those parts, like find out what they are, what their needs are. And then from their, you could call it their empowered self or inner wise self or source filled self, whatever you know, their integrated self is, is they learn to, to love and honor and take care of those parts from, from that point of view or from that source mm-hmm. place. Um, mm-hmm. And sometimes I work with clients where, you know, there's five or six different voices going on, you know, and mm-hmm. they, have the, they have their controller up, they have their caretaker that wants to diminish it, they have their victim that wants to make wrong the other um, and then they have the, you know, the insecure, vulnerable one that doesn't feel good enough. I mean, you can have all of those parts coming up. And if we don't work with it consciously, then like you said, then those voices end up acting out and then sabotaging our precious relationships. So mm-hmm. I help 
assist others to learn to give those parts voice, but how to not act from those, you know, those maybe you could call it aspects of the inner child or aspects of, you know, their wounded selves or just their parts. Um, that they, they're not acting out from those parts. They're learning to source those parts from, you could say, again, like their, their empowered self or their divine connection or their wise self. Everybody has a different name for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think especially people who are on this journey of polyamory or non-monogamy, we um, tend to judge ourselves for not being more evolved than we think we should be. <laughs> So I think that's a good tool to use when part of us is feeling like, no, I, I, this is my belief system. This is the, my value. This is how I want to live my life. But then this other part of me is like, well, you don't love me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and like I, I work, I, since I have such a desire for growth, um, I love this style of relating because it challenges me in that way. Like for example, um, I have a playmate, and I would love to connect with him more. He's married, and he has, you know, a child. And um, I could feel myself wanting to bond with him more, and that's just not available, right, like with his agreement mm-hmm. with his wife. And mm-hmm. and so I still express all my feelings to him, and he held space. But what I did is on my on my own, I totally felt my heart break. I felt like, you know, the ways that I wanted to bond more and I couldn't and you know I felt really sad and I felt like my you know the part of me that um, wanted that couldn't the part of me that feels sad when I can't give my love the way that I want to right and I, and mm-hmm. I just really it, and so what I did is instead of then shutting myself down that I you know and being like this isn't going to work for me and I can't do this I took space and I feel through that heartbreak and I, I love that part of myself. And then what happens is like that part of me gets sort of filled up with my own love and my own care by feeling through the feelings and loving that part that then I'm like, I, I naturally then move into gratitude of like, wow, this man is so beautiful and we have this in our relationship and I'm so grateful for these containers and like Mm. he's so affectionate and loving with what he can give me. I start focusing mm-hmm. on the best and the positive um, mm-hmm. instead of the deficiency of what's not good enough and then closing down. Beautiful. Yeah, and I'm guessing that it sounds like he's probably somebody who's good at holding the space when you have when you're expressing the heartbreak around not getting what you want and not like reacting to that, thinking that he's supposed to change something, but just being able to hold space for you to move through that. Is that correct? Yeah, totally. And, and he'll be honest. Like I feel like guilty that I can't give you more. I feel like he's still vulnerable. Um, Mm -hmm. I, you know, I feel like I'm not doing it right. And like, he's still vulnerable with his parts, but Mm -hmm. I'm also in this place of like, babe, like this is just me needing to express like you're perfect. Mm -hmm. And I understand I understand the agreement and I'm literally just wanting to be again, transparent and disclosed so that, you know, because I have a really high value for that. And I think a lot of people in openness do too, is that no matter what, there's still a level of disclosure, transparency and honesty. Right. And that's so healthy because I know my pattern in the past has been to not share that 
honestly, and convince myself that the person isn't really that important to me and kind of shut down, you yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. That's, it's so, that's so normal. Um, or that somehow, you know, that our, our feelings will, will trigger the other person and then they'll feel bad or guilty or, um, or they'll even make us wrong for having that. And so it's like, we just don't disclose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love so, the like, nuance of this. Con- I love talking to other relationship coaches because we, we get into such nuance of relationship, but we know what we're talking about. And I think, you know, people that aren't people that just want simple monogamous relationships, that's totally fine if that's what you want, because there is more simplicity to it. There is kind of less uh, intensity and um, it, it becomes predictable and there's nothing wrong with predictability if that's your choice but you know I'm an intensity junkie and I love that we that relationships are always changing and there's always and you know our desires are always changing and the way we relate to different people is always changing so to build these skills to be able to talk about this stuff just makes it really fun for me I think relate relationships and relating is really why we're here (laughs) it's kind of what it's all about don't you think yeah, I, I, I'm feeling so actually reassured because I just did a video where I said confessions of being an intensity junkie. And so when you said that, I'm like, oh, my God, I feel, I feel like so in family right now. And um, like I, I'm very stimulated by um, conversation and for things that, you know, stimulate growth. And, and I, I have this kind of like joke where I would love to make a shirt of, don't expect me to be the same person as when you last saw me Um, (laughs) because I I am kind of in this place of like constantly shifting and changing. And, um, and I, I like that. I like that style of life and my lovers, uh, playmates lovers are like that too. Like, you know, and we just are in constant communication with where are they at in their life? um, What's lighting them up? What do they want? And there is this kind of like lifestyle of change, which for people that really like safety and certainty, um, it's really hard for them. And again, no make mm-hmm. wrong. Um, mm-hmm. But like, I don't know if you know about the Tony Robbins um, core, seven core needs. Do you know about that? Uh, not off the top of my head, no. Okay. Well, the seven core needs are, um, let me see if I can name them um, all. Uh, certainty and safety, those are like this kind of the same ones. Mm-hmm. Variety and variety and uncertainty, significance, contribution, love and connection, intimacy. I think that the intimacy and intimacy can be like emotional, um, sexual, and then like touch, like nurturance. Right. Um, so and for me, certainty and uncertainty are on the list, huh? Exactly, exactly. And so <laughs> um, when I meet people that say, wow, I really like certainty, I like to know, like, my partner's going to be at home. I like to know, like, that we're going to be living in this house. I like to know that, and again, no make wrong, but that's, that certainty is the last core value on my list mm-hmm. for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like it, it, when I when I get into these kind of places of real safety and consistency, for me, I actually go numb, um, mm-hmm. and I feel I feel more disconnected from from life and from 
myself. And so I just have learned to like know that about myself and be like, uh, I, that's not, it's okay. I don't have to fit into that box because I've been trying to fit into that box. Right. Yeah. And sexual turn on can really go down the toilet when there's too much predictability. <laughs> I feel like there needs to be yeah. some degree of mystery and uncertainty for the Eros energy to rise. Yeah. And that's what I love too. Like I love, you know, that, you know, my, playmates or lovers like they our connection is what fills them up and they take that to their other lovers or playmates mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I love that I love that commitment and that's a commitment that I have uh, in myself and also that I invite with my other playmates and lovers because it's normal in our regular programming um, kind of in our monogamous based programming that can be hard to continue to open to more than one person and then people start shutting down. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it takes a degree of, for some people to really work through that programming and being able to continue to stay open um, and continue to, to feed love. I would say feed love to the constellation. Right, right, right. So if you're just and, joining us, you're, you're listening to Leading Edge Love Radio, and this is your host, Sumati Sparks, the open relationship coach at sumatisparks.com. We're speaking with Emily Oram, who's a pioneer of evolutionary relating, a love, intimacy, and personal empowerment coach. And if you have any questions for Emily, feel free to call in. The call-in line is area code 657-383-1132. Again, that's 657-383-1132. And you'll be put on hold and we'll answer your call when we have a break in our conversation. So Emily and I have just been talking about the nuances of relationship and how things are ever-changing. And um, we were talking about how, you know, when you're on your deathbed, you're not going to be like, oh, I wish I worked more. You know, people always say that I, I wish I had spent more time with those I love you know, with people that matter to me. And so in open relationship, we get to do that because you kind of have to, kind of have to take the extra time to nurture the different relationships. And, you know, it's a good accountability for us to stay engaged, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And, you know, I I really want to say, I think what's beautiful that I can honestly say is, um, when relationship configurations change, like let's say, like for example, I had um, someone I was in kind of a pretty monogamous relationship with, and it was clear that it, it, after a year, I wanted to go, um, he wanted to go into staying, he wanted to me to stay in that configuration. He wants that really devoted, stable partnership, but then also to have openness within that container. And I really wanted to go into kind of relationship anarchy where um, my primary relationship is to myself and my purpose. That's like my prime directive is like being of service to my dharma and myself. And then I don't want to have hierarchical relating. I would, I don't want to label different relationships. And, um, and I really am proud of us. It was challenging because, you know, he had to let go and, um, I had to be really clear about what I wanted. And I told him, I said, if you can't manage being still intimate with me, I understand if it's too hard for you and I still love you. 
and I'm still here. Like, I'm not abandoning ship. Like, I love you, and I'm dedicated for us to find the perfect ways we can relate. Um, and I'm really proud of us. We worked through our stuff, and um, we kind of continued to have a love, a love, a lovership, but just let go of the monogamous kind of container. And mm-hmm. two months later, two months later, he met his primary, and then I mm. met with them and literally passed him off to her, and mm. it was really beautiful. And and we're like still really beautiful friends, and um, it was beautiful. I just actually got invited back into their container for some just nurturing touch. Um, mm. and so there might be a level of integration that, of where I come back in. Um, so mm. it's I'm really I'm really dedicated in openness that the core foundation is always love, and that person when the relationship changes, that person doesn't go away from my life. Mm-hmm. The, right. They just change, yeah. They just change with where they are in the constellation. Yeah, exactly. I feel like our paths are really aligned right now. Um, I was just sharing with a friend how proud I am of how my 12-year relationship has transitioned to um, where there isn't the sexual romance, but there's just as much love and kind of um, soulmate life partnership as there ever was. Like, we have each other's backs as much as ever. And we play, mu- we play music together. So we have a way of lovemaking through our performing um, that is but such a, um, a clear connectedness of energies. Um, and I love how with this type of relating, that can be just as valuable. Like we really are partners. But, you know, mainstream culture would say that because we're not rubbing our genitals together. It's not as important. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that Sumati so much because, you know, I get a lot of people that project, you know, I'm poly just because I want to like fuck a lot. You know, I just, it's all right, about right. sex. And, and it's really a myth that I'd love to just continue to bust around openness um, is really for me, it's about love and connection as the core cornerstones of, living in the heart and recognizing there are different ways of connecting and there are different people that light us up in different ways. You know, mm-hmm. um, I still, my ex-husband, you know, we still, when we get together, we have a beautiful um, kind of music connection and it's very mm-hmm. heart based. Um, mm-hmm. And so like, I, I, I still definitely want to continue to nurture that. I want to nurture the thing, the the ways that that are the frequencies that really want to be met that are mutual within each relationship that really light us up. You know, that's what I'm interested mm-hmm. in, and and it happens to be with many people. Mhm. Mhm. So we're talking about that balance of, um, you know, having like you with you're talking about the married man that you relate with. And how you can share what your needs are with him, but you're aware of the container that he has with his wife. And I saw you sharing something on your um, social media page recently about scarcity programming, um, mm-hmm. that we are not our scarcity programming. So you were really owning your desire to love big. 
So tell us about how you can how you balance that loving big with also that part of us that wants the consensual containers. Oh, well, I think in general, um, my my orientation is just to have a very big open heart, right? Like I love to connect. I love to communicate. My love is so freely given with others because as I shine love and give love, that is what also, that's my nature. That's what I say. That's who I am. And so that, that fuels me. Like I'm generating love as I'm giving and it's generating and filling me back up kind of like a toroidal field of energy. Um, And so that is my just nature, the way that I work, the way that I sing, the way that I cook. I I really am a lover. Like I put love into everything that I do. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's, I would say that's my true nature. That's how I expand into love. Like that's, you know, core foundation for me it's and the containers is is, but it's also recognizing I only have a finite amount of energy right like 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 I can't be lovers with everybody Mm -hmm. right Um, so it's really being this this word that comes to mind like really discerning um and having excellent boundaries with you know, the understanding that I only have so much time and energy and mm-hmm. I have lots of other things in my life, right? I have um, certain relationships like family relationships that I want to nurture. I have my purpose that I want to nurture. It's like recognizing what are my core things in my own life that I, that are, that, you know, that I'm nurturing. And then how much time and energy do I actually have outside of that for playmates, or lovers and Mm -hmm. it's a constant believe me it's a constant dance right Mm -hmm. um because sometimes I blow myself out a little bit where I'm like wow I'm Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm giving too much here I'm connecting too much here um I don't and and then again it's it's really again going okay I need to have better boundaries Mm -hmm. um so that's the container piece that's really 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 valuable so I know that with this playmate that I'm talking about, that I talked about on this call, I see him for maybe like three times a month for two hour increments, two and a half hours. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's a container that I really feel, and it's very nourishing. It's very wonderful. And there's some text message exchanges, but it's pretty light. Um, But Mm -hmm. that's something that I'm like, that's a very clear container and that works for me. Um, Mm -hmm. So it's recognizing like in openness what's the level of time and energy we can put towards different relationships and then really setting good quality containers. Mm -hmm. And then if you find that that's not enough for you, then you can respectfully bow out without making the other person wrong. It would just be you taking care of yourself. Right. And that's the important thing, you know, is to learn really good communication skills. So it's like, being able to, instead of going into blame, shame, make wrong, or manipulation through trying to change them or whining or complaining, like all this other stuff that doesn't work in relationship, it's just mm-hmm. like, oh, wow, you know, I, I see that you want this and you're available for this and I'm, I'm, I can't do this or this is what I need more of. And, um, and so this, is, this feels like 
um, like figuring out, okay, what's, what's the highest benefit of how we can relate or how does the container need to shift? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's so hard to do, though, when you have those unhealed wounds around um, just feeling like you're not enough. And so you really got to do your, your deep inner work to be able to get your ego out of the way enough to, um, to not yeah. take it personally. If you're just not a match with somebody time-wise or there's an attraction there, but that person has a hierarchy, you have to not make that about you. Um, but when I was younger, so many of my relationships, I took them so personally and I made it mean that I was unlovable. And I really had to do a lot of my own deep inner work to get to where I could um, appreciate what that person could give me. Like you were saying, you got to the place where you could be grateful for the gifts that he was giving you and not instead feel like you were less worthy than his wife, for example. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, openness is going to trigger those core wounds. It's just, it just mm-hmm. like a regular relationship will anyway, like even if you're monogamous, mm-hmm. but if you're open in open co- co- kind of dynamic, it's especially going to bring those, those parts up. So I have an agreement for myself that um, anybody that I engage with in openness, they have an outside external coach that they're working with. Um, or they mm, have a good boundary. Yeah, that, and, or they have support because my commitment is that um, that we don't lean on each other to process, like especially around um, like there can be a level of sharing, but n- more of a sharing from being resourced rather than you know, and maybe a, a limited amount of containers where you know we're in our sort of wounded wounding and we just want to express. But I I have a very high value because I. I want to have really clean um, relationships that don't fall into like wound mate dynamics. So that's a boundary that I have that everybody I, that I relate with, they have an external coach that they go to, to when they get, when they, their big stuff comes up. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. So or, I also want to ask I, you, or, go ahead. Sorry. And I, I also ask them like, what is their relationship to self-sourcing? Like, how do they take care of themselves if big stuff comes up? Like that's a question that I usually will ask. Oh, a really good question. I'm sure a lot of people never even thought about that before. <laughs> Makes them right. ha- have to think about that. Yeah. And if, if they haven't, then for me, that's a red flag to not be involved in relationship. Mm-hmm. Like I, yeah. I'm just at this point, like I'm so discerning. Um, mm-hmm. But then what happens is because I'm that discerning, then I attract really high level relationships that can meet me. Right. Yeah, that's so excellent. Wanna... And that's, that's the lack of scarcity that you're talking about where we know there's enough. You don't have to settle for somebody who doesn't have the skills that you want. Yeah. And that's what I want to tell our viewers out there because it's, you know, I, I work with a lot of people that are like, oh, my expectations are too high or I'm not going to meet anybody because, you know, this is what I need. And this, again, this, the scarcity programming, I mean, I work with so many women with this um, and I just help, I help them to really, the clearer they can be and really affirming their value and knowing what they want and speaking to that, um, mm-hmm. literally, 
starts vortexing and attracting like a magnet, those kinds of relationships into their life. Mm, nice. Cool. Yeah. It's powerful. I, I have one woman that's, um, that, that is again, really leaning into, she's not, uh, oriented open, but she's dating and she's kind of looking at a configuration, um, where definitely devoted part partner, but possibly exploring some level of openness and, um, but she's doing a lot of like, you know, dating with people and a lot of stuff's coming up with that's bringing up that programming. And um, so we're working all these tools. And it's like, regardless if this is your partner, these levels of exploring these different open configurations are, they're teaching her so much about how to like honor herself and love herself and, you know, work with her dynamic. Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good segue for maybe you could help us um, take us on on like a guided visualization or whatever you do to help us connect with our our own divine source energy so that we're not needing someone else to be our mommy or daddy. Like how can we source our own divinity? Beautiful. So I just invite us and invite our viewers just to take a couple deep breaths and just to allow ourselves to feel the gentle expansion of life force. You could call it source life force energy filling us up on each expansive in-breath. And then on each exhale, just allowing that energy to be released to allow the body to soften and drop toward the earth. Again, inhaling this rich, kinetic, beautiful life force energy, this so full of life in through our lungs, in through our belly, filling ourselves up and just releasing on the exhale, relaxing, surrendering, allowing our body to become weighted against the earth to drop down. And to feel the polarity of the earth both holding us. I like to think of the earth like our, the feminine energy that's nurturing us, that's holding us, that's really keeping us safe at all times so just as we breathe like feeling that earth connection feeling the stability of the ground beneath us gravity and again as we exhale just seeing if we can relax and soften even more fully in these bodies toward the earth ah I like to use the phrase, I'm always safe and always held. I just invite you to bring those words into your body. I'm always safe and always held. Ah. And we feel the, the level of relaxation toward the earth. Just inviting you to allow that energy to rise as we ground, we allow this source energy to rise 
fully up through our bodies, moving out of our crown, even maybe even expanding into our energy body, the energy that's around our body. Seeing on each inhale, if you can expand out into your divine connection. Some people access it through light. Some people access it through this connection to maybe a specific archetype. For me, I just allow it to move into the spaciousness of the universe, the cosmos, the sun. This expansive sense of maybe oneness. However you best connect to your own relationship to source, God, higher self. Taking a moment and breathing into that connection, breathing, feeling, communing, perhaps even imagining yourself merging or expanding into that infinite, that limitless, expansive energy. And again, on each inhale, I invite you now to bring that down, imagining that coming in through your energy body, coming in through your body, down into your body. Feeling this light, feeling this expansive life-giving energy coming through you. I like to use, even welcome in the words, I am connected to my divine resource. I am connected to my divine resource. I am trusting my divine guidance. I am trusting my divine guidance. And I'd like to just invite us to close by putting a hand on our heart. Just imagining the polarities that we've worked with today of the earth rising into the heart. And also imagining that divine connection coming down from the cosmos are coming into your body, into this heart connection. The heart is the bridge between spirit and matter. I'm just seeing if you can touch into this current of love in your heart. This marriage of earth and source. Sometimes I even like to think about what would it be like to 
have the image of source and the earth making love inside of our hearts. Mm-hmm. That energy making love unifying inside of our hearts. And so just taking a couple more deep breaths, expanding into your heart, and just thanking your precious heart for the beauty of love that you are. Mm. Ah. One more deep breath into the heart. Thank you. Thank you so much for going on that journey with me. Mm, Thank you, Emily. Wow, that was beautiful. It's so good to take the time for ourselves to give us that little time. I mean, that only took, what, five or seven minutes, and it's so valuable to just give ourselves that time to go in, to calm our nervous systems, to remember that we have access to all the earth energy and source divine energy that we want all inside of us. And I love how you made it like make love with each other in our own body so that we have that creation energy right within us. And we really don't have to get it outside ourselves. I think we just go at such a fast pace in, in our lives that we, we don't take the time to just stop and breathe. And it, it's so magical. So thank you for reminding us of that. Yeah, and that's, that, again, I teach a lot of my clients those skill sets, you know, and that's kind of like what we just did there is, is self-sourcing, embodied self-sourcing. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, because of that work, I that's the foundation of, of why and how I can do openness well is because I have my own back. Like I have, no matter what anyone does, you know, or doesn't do, I know how to take really good care of myself, um, and I teach people how to do that. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Thank you yeah. so much, Emily. What a gift you are. <laughs> Thank you. So I'd Thank like you to, so much. Yeah, of course. For me um, too. Yeah. So before we run out of time, I want to be sure that you have plenty of time to share with our listeners how they can reach you if they'd like to know more about what you do. And also, if you have an offer for our listeners, um, please take it away. Great. Um, Well, you can find me. I'm very active on social media. I do a lot of videos. I'm, like, kind of known as the video junkie person. Um, So you can find me on Facebook under Emily Oram, um, also known as the Heart Ninja. That's kind of how people know me, hashtag Heart Ninja. And um, you can find me on Instagram, too. And I currently just launched a woman's program. Um, it, it's at www.heartninja.net. Um, I am going to be running another one in three months um, for women, you know, again, that want to live liberated in their truth, purpose, and sensuality while also learning the tools to thrive in communication, connection, and intimacy. Um, as far as right now, uh, what I would just like to say to the viewers is that I am open for uh, probably a few uh, private clients, um, you know, that are really looking to learn how to create and design the love style that they want. You know, they might be venturing into some form of ethical non-monogamy or wanting to explore more about like 
they know they kind of um, don't want to do something that's monogamous, but they don't really know how to explore that or they are needing more of the tools of how to communicate and just how to do it really well. Um, So if you are interested in private coaching, you can find me either on Facebook and or you can email me at emilyoram at gmail.com. Perfect. Okay, great. Well, thanks again for taking the time with us tonight, Emily, and I wish you great success in your practice and in all Mm. of your loving connections out there. And um, thank you for the gift that you bring us. I love your videos. (laughs) Thank you so much, Sumati. It's been such a joy. And, yeah, I just want to just say to our viewers, you know, it's like just embracing the truth of who you are and and recognizing that even though you might sit out, you know, not fit in the box, that there are other people out there that of where you can build your tribe and sense of community. And it's so important. I know Sumati talks a lot about this too, is it's really important in on the path of openness for us to have allies um, and, and a sense of tribe. And so I'm really big on that, that if you're feeling like a little isolated and, you know, it's just to really start connecting and, and getting curious and coming into a, a tribe is really important. Yes, definitely. We talked about that when you were so nice to uh, interview me as well. And we talked about the word tribal amory and how important it is to source your needs from a whole community and not just rely on one person for everything. Yes. Yes. Thank you so much, love. Excellent. And thank you to all our viewers that tuned in. Okay, hon. You take care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Okay, bye-bye. So next week on Leading Edge Love Radio, we will be speaking with Janae Palais. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name right. Um, but Janae, I've, she's a friend of mine. I've seen her um, at several events, and I believe we were even kind of like metamors for a little while. And uh, she is the author of a best-selling book called Living an Orgasmic Life, Heal Yourself and Awaken Your Pleasure. And she is a certified Tantra educator and a sexological body worker, a sex coach. So she will give us all kinds of great juicy information about how to spice things up, particularly for mature women. Um, her advice is really helpful for people whose sex drive has dwindled as they get older or people in long-term relationships that aren't feeling the same way that they felt in the beginning. So please join us next week at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Leading Edge Love Radio. And I hope you all have a great evening. Bye-bye.